0: Live from Studio 67 in Florida's Capital County, it's time to be fackish.
1: Access granted.
0: Good people, welcome to the end of week five. We have dubbed week five around here as being in the belly of the beast, right in the midpoint. Things start to get crazy, and now we're running downhill going into next week. Um, let's get right into it with Roll Call, and the question of the week is, what is your favorite holiday? So, like I always do, I'm going to start with Jeff. Jeff, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Hi, hey, Davin. This is Jeff Scala, handling environment, water, energy, rural affairs, broadband, and technology issues. My favorite holiday has got to be July 4th, celebrating America's independence with, some, with some barbecue beach and baseball all right no illegal fireworks though right no no all right all right
2: bob how you doing seconds. i'm doing great how's everything today i'm bob mckee deputy director of public policy and my favorite holiday would be halloween baseball's still going on world series time and costumes, and it's dark early, so I get to juggle.
0: Bob, I'm afraid to ask you about your favorite costume, so don't answer. i not going to ask you. Just, I'm going to let everybody imagine what your favorite costume would be. Just sit tight. Tonette, how you doing?
3: Hello, all is well. Happy Friday, Tonette Graham. COVID health care public safety. Girl, my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. I love the fall season. Pumpkin spice lattes, second body word candles, and time with family. And of course, Black Friday. Got
0: to shop. All right, all right. I'm not gonna make any comments on the shopping. So be free to do what you want. It's free country. Sarah Henley, welcome to the I'm show. Love.
4: Hi, Davin. It's Sarah Henley, the policy analyst. My favorite holiday is also Thanksgiving for all the reasons Tonette said, but I do love Christmas as well.
0: All right. I'll let that go. That's good. Eddie, bringing up the rear, how you doing?
5: Doing great. This is uh, very good. Uh, My favorite holiday is uh, St. Valentine's Day because... It is the day where Cupid fills us with love, not only for family and friends and colleagues, but basically for mankind. And that's always a good thing. We need a lot of love in this
0: world. And Eddie's got love in his heart. That makes me feel better. Eddie, you got love in your heart for Bob and Halloween? I love all of you guys. Ah, No questions asked. That was a very political answer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 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 Alright, it's good to be with you guys This is Davin Suggs, Director of Public Policy And my favorite holiday Will be my birthday I'm just saying I, I can be a little selfish like that I'm giving most of the other time But August 4th should be a holiday in everybody's mind Especially those people That I'm responsible for on their timesheets Just saying, August 4th Born at 8.30am So make sure all gifts presents are in by 829 Being early is being on
5: time. All right. And, (laughs) just so that you know, August 4th is a favorite birthday day of mine because it happens to be my dad's birthday. Ah, see, Eddie,
0: we were meant to be together.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Trivia, who else was born on August 4th? Hmm. Anybody know?
3: People Let me with
0: that day is their um I think the correct clue is 44. We'll come back to that in the end. Think 44. It's born on August 4th. Good.
1: Hank Aaron. Obama.
0: Right, Sarah. Thank you very oh. much. <laughs> thank you very much, Sarah.
2: Sorry, I was thinking baseball. Yes. I was
3: thinking baseball. What was the answer?
0: Obama. All right. I think he was the 44th president,
3: wasn't he? Yeah. Bob, you just messed up your winning streak for trivia. You yeah. always have the answer.
0: Yeah. Today he had nothing.
3: I
2: was busy putting Davin's birthday in my phone. <laughs> yes, Bob, you
0: are my favorite for today. Eddie, you're just a little slow on it. Eddie, your story is pretty good, but Bob has put my birthday in his phone. All right, Bob gets a bonus. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the rundown. Um, Jeff, I'm coming back to you. You know what time it is. It's about uh, to go
1: down. And I'll be covering some preemptions today and a few environmental bills. Uh, First up, the House Joint Resolution 1603, which proposes a constitutional amendment if passed by three fifths of the entire legislature and 60% of the voters. It will allow the legislature to provide by general law law, the recall of county commissioners and and county officers. Uh, A linked bill, House Bill 1605, would implement that legislation. It was heard in the house there is no senate companion uh but it was passed unanimously by the committee also this week house bill 267 on the preemption of seaport regulations was heard in the uh, in the house side and passed uh, 11 to 6. it was matched up to its senate bill to uh preempt uh, se- uh certain seaport regulations uh, uh, um and county referendums or sorry referendum votes my apologies Uh, Another energy preemption bill was up this week. This is the gas station bill, House Bill 839 by Representative Fabrizio. It was paired back to match the Senate bill um, where it only prohibits local governments from uh, abolishing uh, the construction of gas stations. Uh, Moving forward, a, a, a fourth preemption bill I'm covering this week is House Bill 991. Uh, Fuel Measuring Devices by Representative Broussada-Cabrera, currently there are three counties who have adopted additional consumer protection measures to protect against card skimming, credit card skimming at at gas pumps. This bill would preempt to the state and to DAX uh, the ability to have more stringent rules uh, to protect for for consumer protection. Um, That bill passed unanimously. Uh, and last on the rundown this week for me is a bill that I've covered before on private waste companies. Uh, formerly, the displacement of private waste companies was broadened uh, to be titled Waste Management. Uh, this is Senate Bill 694. Uh, they added a, uh, an amendment that will require the Department of Environmental Protection to update its 2010 retail plastic bags report. Um, and that bill passed unanimously and it heads to its last committee, Senate rules.
0: Right. Jeff, your rundown was pretty uh, descriptive of the entire week for all of us here. Is, uh, playing major defense this week, we were. So thank you for that. A lot report.
1: of preemptions this week.
0: Yeah, a lot. Um, and for those out there, you can always check out our preemption tracker. It is maintained by our crack data analyst, policy analyst, Sarah Henley. So make sure you check that out on our website. Bob. You know what time it is? It's not my birthday, but it's a very important time. All right? It's about to go down.
2: All right, I wanna start out by saying, as Davin said, belly of the beast. Problem with that is there's only three ways out. One or two directions or emergency extraction. <laughs> so, we're going forward from there. Um, this week, several bills moved. Uh, online sales tax um, issue market place fairness, e-fairness, House Bill, uh, CS for CS for House Bill 15 by Reps Clement and LaMarca was heard in its last committee, House Commerce. Um, committee substitute was adopted and in it they um, directed some of the revenue after they finish um, refilling the workers' compensation, excuse me, unemployment compensation trust fund they're now going to use the dollars to reduce the commercial rent t- uh, sales tax. Um, that bill is now heading to the floor. The um, Senate version, Senate Bill 50 by Senator Gruners passed the Senate floor 30 to 10 last week. Um, CS for CS for House Bill 1429 on tourist convention development taxes by Representative Avia was heard in its last committee, House State Affairs. Um, The bill expands the uses of TDT to include um, flood mitigation, but it also puts a referendum requirement on several of the levies. Um, And it also requires a referendum to pledge the professional sports facility penny or fourth cent. Um, I think earlier we're reading it to to do that to the third cent, but in a review of the bill, it made it clear it's the fourth cent for professional sports facility that would require a referendum to pledge the penny for debt. The Senate Companion, Senate Bill 2008, was temporarily postponed in Senate Community Affairs on Tuesday. Um, House Bill 5401 and uh, Senate Bill 2512 are the bills that reconfigure the doc stamp distributions. Um, they were heard in their respective appropriations committees and both have headed to the respective house and Senate floor. Um, again, um, we've had a lot of discussion on the substance of those bills. They take the dollars that are currently are dedicated in the local housing trust fund and the state housing trust fund and split them into three pots of money. Um, one going to affordable housing, one to resiliency and one to, um, water projects. The, um, Final bill I'm going to talk about here in the rundown is the Florida retirement system legislation on the Senate sides Uh, CS for Senate bill 84 retirement by Senator Ray Rodriguez was heard in Senate appropriations. The uh, bill would require all new eligible employers um, becoming employed by the state after July one, 2022 to be required to be members of the uh, divine contribution or investment plan. There was an exception put in for special risk class. Um, the bill passed committee 12 to 8 and is ready for consideration on the Senate floor. There is no House companion.
0: That's my rundown. Okay, hey, thank you, Bob. Yeah, like Jeff, a lot of stuff going down, um, setting up for a very interesting last four weeks. Eddie Labrador, my South Florida guy. You know what time it is, Eddie? Absolutely.
5: It's about to go down. Okay, so on Monday, the Public Integrity and Elections Committee considered committee substitute for House Bill 53 by Representative DeSigli relating to public works projects. This is a bill that amends current law relating to local contractor preferences. The committee adopted a strike all amendment that basically took out um any reference to the local money and approved the bill 11 to 6 as a committee substitute it now goes to the state affairs committee uh the next day on tuesday the senate community affairs committee heard the companion measure uh, committee substitute for senate bill 1076 by senator broder It passed the bill six to three after matching up uh the house and senate bill but the senate bill also added an additional provision that basically um, exempts from the now, as reframed penalty provision or pro- penalty prohibitions uh, any program that is uh, funded or approved uh, for uh, as a uh, charter county regional transportation surtax program, uh, if approved by a majority of the county's electors or by charter amendment approved by. Uh, Majority of the county's electors. Uh, that provision is not in the House bill. Um, the next uh, bill that I want to mention is the local occupational licensing preemption bill. Community affairs heard that bill uh, by Senator Perry, which is uh, CS for Senate Bill 268. Uh, the committee approved the bill six to three, and that bill has now been scheduled to be heard uh, in the Rules Committee. Uh, tuesday april 6th get ready uh in the meanwhile uh the house bill house bill 735 by representative harding was heard on the house floor and passed on thursday by a vote of 82 to 32 Um, and the final set of bills that i want to mention davin is the burt harris property rights uh bills that are moving in both chambers um Community Affairs Heard uh, CS for Senate Bill 1876 by Senator Albritton. Um, This modifies uh, the Burke Harris uh, Property Rights Protection Act. Uh, It adds uh, uh, a definition uh, of action, uh, or actually amends the definition of action of a governmental entity to include the adoption or enforcement of any ordinance, resolution, regulation, rule, or policy. that makes a, a big, that's a big expansion in terms of what the act can do and how people can file claims uh, for the mere enactment of an ordinance or policy or regulation. And then on Thursday, the House Local Administration and Veterans Affairs Subcommittee combined CS for HB 421 and HB 1101 into one bill, uh, a merged bill and uh, basically passed an amendment that matches uh, 1876. Uh, the, the subcommittee approved the bill 15 to 2. All right. Thank yeah, you, Eddie.
0: Me. I mean, I'll say it a third time. Week 5 was definitely a precursor to a very fast-paced last month of session here. Tonette Graham, you've been waiting patiently. Yes, sir. All right. You know what time it is? It's about to go
3: down. For COVID, CSSB 72, the COVID Liability Protections Bill by Senator Brandis, was signed into law by Governor DeSantis this week. This is the bill that provides businesses, religious entities, governmental relations, um, um, governmental entities as well as health care providers protections who acted in good faith as a result of the COVID 19 pandemic legislation addressing emergency powers of local governments and emergency management is advancing in both chambers there are four bills in play house bill 7047 by chair lee um <clears throat> senate bill 2006 by senator burgess house bill 945 by rep rommel and Senate Bill 1924 by Senator Diaz. All four are in play. We're waiting to see how things pan out. It looks as if 945 will run in 747 and 1924 will go into 2006. So FAC is on the move. We're working trying to make sure that we protect home rule as both bills, which will end up being two at the end, head to the Senate and House floor. And last, but certainly not least, Volunteer Ambulance Services by Representative Caruso is moving right along in committee. This is the bill that allows Volunteer Ambulance Services to utilize emergency lights and sirens when responding to emergencies. This bill also provides preemptions from the COPCN process. Senator Pizzo has the Senate Companion and that is moving along. Right, um, moving along as well, and is currently in Senate Appropriations. We are in conversations with both bill sponsors to work on getting the COPCN issue rectified. That is it for me this week.
0: All right, thank you. Um, and I guess the theme of the day is preemption, preemption, preemption. I feel like we need to be an octopus. We need about eight arms here to fight all of this stuff. And um, but. This is about power for the course as we move through session each year. And so as we um, close the circle and rally the troops, as we finish, we still have a lot of work to do. And we're going to need a lot of help from our members out there. All right. On to Sarah Henley's favorite segment. And I think, I mean, everybody's big segment. Who doesn't like one big thing? Um, Sarah, you've been patiently waiting. So I know the people want to hear... One big thing.
4: As always, a very important topic on the future of Florida and transportation in the state, and that is electric vehicles. This was relevant last week with the passage of SB 140 and 138 that are now awaiting its last committee stop. And on a national scale, President Biden on Wednesday released his $2 trillion infrastructure plan that outlined his plans to improve the nation's infrastructure and focuses on that shift to green energy that is pretty much bound to happen. But this plan that needs to pass both the House and Senate proposes a $174 billion investment in the electric vehicle market to help accelerate the shift of vehicles. This is the highest investment in the transportation budget. It also includes giving rebates and tax incentives to buy electric vehicles and establishes a grant and incentives program to build on um, that national network of charging stations. It's around 500,000. And it also includes uh, replacing a lot of the diesel transit vehicles in our nation to electric vehicles. But back to what's going down in Florida, In December, the Department of Ag, Office of Energy, released their roadmap report, which indicated there are around 61,000 electric vehicles in the state so far. This number is expected to double by 2030 to around 121,000 electric vehicle registrations. And this session, there is a lot of legislation that supports enhancing electric vehicles in the state, but there's also some legislation concerned with quick Shifting to electric vehicle infrastructure out there. And we've seen this concern with local governments. Um, Banning gas stations within the state due to one city in California, banning the construction of new gas stations and concerns with cities around Florida, considering maybe doing that in the future. I personally think there that it's clear that no one plans on banning gas stations anytime soon, but this legislation is seen as more of a preventative legislation for the state down the road. But this year, legislation specific to electric vehicles has been making sure that there are appropriate numbers of charging stations in the state in case there is an emergency and as we shift to electric vehicles. But the big dilemma right now is addressing gas tax revenue. Electric vehicles, unless you use a hybrid, don't use fuel, obviously, therefore you can't collect, collect gas tax off of them, which hurts both state and local governments. So Senator Brandes is getting getting a head start on forming a solution by creating registration fees for electric vehicles to make up for this loss of revenue. So far, 28 states have additional registration fees for plug-in electric vehicles, and of those 28, 14 have additional registration fees on plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. So Brandus's legislation would do both of these things. From these additional funds, funds will be distributed to both county and state governments to pay for electric vehicle infrastructure in the first three years, and then it'll shift to more of that general transportation expenditures. Um, In the ledge bulletin, you can see the breakdown of what these fees are, but on all levels of government, you can clearly see that lawmakers are eager to start addressing these infrastructure issues and to shift to the more clean energy society. So I think we'll see quite a bit of this in the next few years.
0: Man, that's amazing, Sarah. Thank you. You know it. I remember when there were only sixty-one thousand cell phones in the state of Florida, and now, I mean, in two thousand ten, there were more cell phones than people registered in the in the. So this, when you see the shift in the industry, and and that was dealing with the CST, and and Bob, both you and I have dealt with. You go from tax and landline phones to how do you capture cell phones, and then. When you start getting a phone number from anywhere and you weren't tied to a physical location, how do you tax and bill and do all of that stuff? So in this next wave of, with technology and shift how people, um, how we do things, the in very important piece is, I mean, we like Sarah said, we use gas tax to maintain the transportation system. And as that shifts, we need to maintain the balance or come up with a completely different way of how we fund infrastructure. Um, And I think all of us will be working on that from some aspect of it. So very important. And we're right in the middle of it. We'll be able to tell our grandkids how we helped change the world here. It's very important that we keep taxing the people, right? I'm just kidding. Sarah, thank you for that. And for everybody out there, you read the full report in this week's edition of Ledge Bull.
1: Hey, Jeff, I think you've got one big thing. I do, Davin, and it's also technology related. It's broadband. Broadband is back uh, this week. Senate Bill 1592 by Senator Burgess, broadband internet infrastructure. This is the tax incentives piece for broadband. Uh, was heard in the Senate Finance and Tax Committee. This bill is known as the Florida Broadband Deployment Act of 2021, and what it there are two components. A sales tax exemption piece and a preemption piece dealing with municipal electric utilities Uh, the bill exempts from the sales and use tax the purchase of qualifying equipment used by providers of communication services or internet access services and does not include real property office equipment certain facilities and vehicles Um, the revenue estimating conference has estimated this impact to be a $92.4 million recurring impact in this current fiscal year, which includes a $22.5 million impact at the local level. Um, The issue that we see here with this bill, while it does say it's for, for broadband deployment and the initial whereas preamble clauses in the bill talk about rural broadband, there is nothing in the bill that ties it directly to expanding broadband access specifically in unserved or underserved rural communities. Um, you, know, when we talk about this issue, we would want to talk about metrics and some kind of accountability process. And right now, the bill does not have that to ensure that broadband proposals become reality and expanding access. Um, if we were to have some kind of metrics piece, you know, we would talk about homes per mile. The number of hookups that an internet service provider would include per mi- in the number of miles to to get to that speed of broadband, the 25 megabit per second, three megabit uh, upload speed, um, and then on the back end, you could provide a tax credit to these uh, internet service providers for their performance, similar to a a QTI-like program. Uh, So this bill uh, was very contentious in committee. Uh, Senator Burgess committed to continue working on uh, an accountability piece. Uh, Several of the members uh, of that Senate Finance and Tax Committee uh, were, were focused right in on the accountability side. And it passed six to two, with a few members really holding some reservations. Uh, it has one more committee stop, Senate Appropriations, while its House companion uh, was heard the previous week and, and its first committee stopped. Uh, that's House Bill 1239 by Representative Tomko. So we are, we are watching those bills, uh, you know, as our Access 67 initiative and working on some other broadband bills, uh, House Bill 753 and Senate Bill 5060 uh, by Representatives Clemens and Senator Osley. So we're we're, we're watching... Many pieces of uh, legislation move, and, and trying to understand uh, which one is g- going to be potentially uh, become law here. All right, thank you, Jeff. Um, and that's a lot of stuff. That, as that we had a work group
0: meeting yesterday, very important to our members. So, thank you for what you're doing on that. Okay. All right, Tonette. I'm not going to have you go last. We'll make Bob and Eddie wait. Um, but the people want to hear your one big thing.
3: Well, let's turn to the public safety and justice realm. My one big thing this week, I'm sure you all have seen if you follow Senator Pizzo like Lizzo or the criminal justice champion, Senator Jeff Brandis from Pinellas County, you all have heard the discussions about the possible closure of four state prisons. The Senate has provided their proposed budget for the Department of Corrections, which is right now at $5.6 billion. And that includes a possible $140 million budget cut to DOC as a result of this this would require secretary inch to provide a plan to possibly close four state prisons this will have a huge impact to our counties um as a result of this possibility it will impact employment revenue sharing disrupt families and diminish the economy in time for um as it relates to local businesses. So contact your legislators. Make sure you express our concerns with this issue. It is still early in the budget process, but as things are moving and this is not in the House side, we want to make sure that our opinion is heard and that we get this rectified and taken care of.
0: Man, short and sweet and right to the point right there. Um, Thank you, Tonette. Every once in a while, whether it's prisons or one time it was a mental health facility, I think, in Baker County, but you know, the government in a lot of counties, especially our rural counties, whether it's the county, it's a state prison, or the school district, are often the largest employers in these counties. Um, and so anytime there's a reduction in workforce and even closures or budget cuts, it impacts, as Tonette said, every facet of the community. You know, it's not just the employment, but you know, as we get revenue sharing from sales tax, the less economic activity as people go out of work and people tend to move to go find work and travel. So it could be devastating um, to, if one of those four prisons is in a county that can't afford to lose the bulk of their jobs. And so um, thank you for that Tonette. I know you're working with the Small County Coalition and Chris Doolin in tracking that issue. Um, And so please keep us abreast of that. All right. Eddie, me and your dad have the same birthday. Bob put my birthday in his phone. I think. i
5: will be happy to do the same, but I don't want to be a copycat. No, no, no. You're good on your own. (laughs) I just know. I don't have to put it in my phone. You know why? Because I would never forget that your birthday is tied with my dad's. Man, for that, I'm going to let Eddie share his
0: one big
5: Go ahead, Eddie. All right. The one big thing for this week for me has to do with legislation that was heard in the Senate Community Affairs Committee on Tuesday uh, that uh, basically allows the Attorney General to take over local government civil actions uh, that are filed against uh, nationwide business interests uh, like. uh, OEPA, firearms, and similar type national uh, civil actions. Um, The committee, the the bill, Senate Bill 102 by Senator Burgess, uh, preempts to the Attorney General the responsibility for prosecuting, managing, and coordinating any civil proceedings that are brought by governmental entities when the legislature declares that the subject of those actions is a matter of great governmental concern. Uh, The bill makes uh, legislative uh, findings, uh, and and one in particular is interested me because it says that a single official representing government entity in a civil proceeding uh, uh, that's declared a matter of great governmental concern maximizes recoveries and minimizes costs that certainly hasn't proven to be correct in the past as noted in some of the testimony against the bill uh, um the bill defines a government entity uh, to include uh, counties and cities uh, and school districts and it also defines what a matter of great governmental concern is uh, meaning it's a fact circumstance or conduct that has caused substantial economic loss or other harm of a similar nature to a governmental entity uh, in 15 or more counties of the state. Uh, The bill um, also uh, allows the, the legislature to declare what is a matter of great governmental concern, and the legislature gives itself its own power to basically rescind or amend the authority of such a declaration. Uh, When declared, the Attorney General then is granted the sole authority to file any civil proceedings on behalf of affected governmental entities uh, until the legislature rescinds the declaration. The Attorney General may institute or intervene in any uh, governmental entity legal proceeding uh in state or federal court uh and it includes any pending appeal uh and the attorney general might also dismiss release settle or take any action that he or she believes is in the public interest so long as it doesn't contravene the legislature's uh declaration uh resolution um the legislature, uh, when it, when it makes its declaration, it serves to abate or stay any relevant civil proceedings filed by a local government uh, or a governmental entity uh, in state or federal court uh, until the attorney general acts in such a proceeding. The legislature's declaration tolls the statute of limitations under Florida law that affects any claim the governmental entity may have uh, and that is up to one year or dependent or during the pendency of the declaration, uh, whichever period is shorter. Public officials and employees involved in the matter of great governmental concern uh, are mandated to furnish uh, all relevant assistance and information to the Attorney General, including notice of any pending proceedings uh, that they're involved in. The bill requires that any award of damages or monetary payment from a settlement arising in a matter of great governmental concern is subject to full appropriation by the legislature and may not be appropriated, expended or encumbered by the attorney general or under the terms of any settlement agreement. That's kind of interesting because uh, that means that, even though some of the recovery would actually go directly to a local government uh, or a county government, for example, where we to file and manage the lawsuit ourselves. uh, This time, the money, any recovery of damages would go to the legislature and it'll be up to the legislature to decide where that money is going to go uh, regardless of the impacts uh, to our local communities. The governmental entity, if the governmental entity settles or resolves a civil proceeding uh, before um, the attorney general, uh, once um, once the declaration is made by the legislature, but if it's done without the attorney general's consent, that settlement uh, or resolution is void. Uh, So, whatever the actions of the County government might be; uh, those actions would be void if it's taken after the legislature has declared a matter of great governmental concern, and the attorney general was not consent uh, did not consent to the resolution of the settlement agreement. Uh, and lastly, the bill sets up a a, a process a procedure uh, for recovery of attorney's fees uh, and costs that have been incurred. Uh, during the representation of a governmental entity by uh, attorneys uh, that are representing the entity in in those those lawsuits, uh, and it sets up a whole uh, set of criteria that a court must take into consideration when determining uh, its award of reasonable attorney fees and and costs. And that's it.
0: You know the thing of great governmental concern is that the United States Chamber of Commerce is behind this. This is uh for our members out there, this is a nationwide effort being conducted or facilitated in several states to reduce litigation against big industry. Whether it's like uh they don't want to see settlements like big tobacco and this time especially with opioids and big pharma. And so this is um being pushed and then our ag has been influenced by u.s chamber of commerce and the state chamber of commerce um to do this so we have seen this in several states and uh, we'll continue to fight especially along with a little help from morgan and morgan and other trial lawyers because um, yeah. this would you know in these cases trial attorneys put up a lot of their own money in defense of government and they work on a contingency basis and so this would end this practice
5: yeah. And and um, uh, it was interesting to see that former Attorney General Bill McCullum, um, who did a lot during his time as AG to protect consumers, uh, actually stand up and favor this bill. Uh, but then again, he was representing the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. He wasn't representing the people.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
5: Sort of interesting.
0: So we'll continue to watch. And thank you for that report, Eddie. All right. Bob. You've been patiently waiting. And I want you to know that uh, you got a lot of credit in my heart for you immediately put that birthday in your phone. I saw you. All right. So now it's time for you to shine. The people want to hear your one
3: big thing?
2: One big thing this week in the finance and tax area was actually two actions on impact fees. The House and Senate bills both moved through Um, their respective committees on Wednesday morning. Um, Senate Bill, uh, CS for Senate Bill 750 by Senator Gruters came out of the Senate Finance and Tax Committee and um, House Bill, CS for House Bill 337 by Rep Disigli came out of the Ways and Means Committee. Um, The bills were both amended to expand the definition of infrastructure to pull in certain public safety vehicles and associated equipment and to include school buses, specifically in the definition of infrastructure. It was also amended to tighten the credit language so that it would no longer require that um, a contribution of an on-like type of public facility would be credited against any impact fee. So the bill was tightened on those two provisions. The bill does still have caps in it, there is in the current version of of both bills there's a way around those caps for local governments if they do everything as they always have with respect to the dual rational nexus test and the other requirements in statute for imposition of impact fees Um, they had both bills next go to um excuse me the senate bill next goes to senate appropriations which currently is not scheduled to meet next week the house bill goes to um House State Affairs Committee which meets Tuesday morning and um which will see notice later today of whether that uh, excuse me on Friday whether that bill is up um that's the one big thing
0: all right thank you bob um And that's important to know at least 30 of our counties, you know, there's ongoing debate of how do you pay for growth? You put it on the backs of the people already there, or we spread a little love to the people coming. Um, Always one of the principled discussions in local government. Um, And thank you for working on this bill. I think this one's going to go all the way to the end, but we appreciate your efforts here. All right. Um, I think that's everybody. So, you know, I think it's time to reflect. Um... Boy, week five, through five committee weeks, we've been at this for ten weeks, people. But the most important, four to come. So, um, I'm going to start with Jeff. What are your reflections? How do you feel after week five? We're past the halfway point, or the point of no return. It's only one way to go, we need to finish strong. How do you feel, Jeff?
1: Yeah, we're halfway there, but this week definitely felt preemptive. Ah,
2: right on time. Bob, how do you feel? What's your reflections? I hate testifying from the Civic Center. You need to be in the room. Yes, everybody, get vaccinated so we can return
0: to normal and be at the Capitol. So, Tonette Graham, what you got? How do you feel?
3: I am cautiously optimistic. If Eddie keeps working on these amendments and I'm drawing them out, I'm gonna be an artist. Hopefully we can sell those and
0: they'll take our votes. That's right, we gotta keep at it. Eddie, the master amendment drafter. You need about four computers over there. Eddie, your reflections.
5: It's time to take the gloves off. <laughs> uh-oh. Get out, mano so- a
0: mano. Sounds like somebody's coming to Tallahassee. <laughs> That's <laughs> all that sounds like. <laughs> Sarah Henley, your reflections.
4: Keyword, halfway.
0: Yes, Um, and then for folks out there, I just, you know, I've said this a couple of times this week. I think I told Bob this, um, but I told our members um, in our executive committee meeting, it's almost time for the policy to be over, and it's time for politics here on out. You know, often we face a lot of preemptions as you heard this week. Almost 90% of them don't make any logical sense. So, but as Eddie said, it's time to put the gloves on which means we got to put the pen down and it's time to play politics. Uh, we still need Sarah, though, because always, even with the politics, the policy and the analysis drives us here, in fact, because we fight with the truth. So, but we just got to spread it and understand and deal with the politics now because in the last four weeks, that's how things are gonna move. Whether they make sense or not is who's winning on the political side, and so, we have no choice but to engage because Bob said there's only two ways there's really only two ways out of this thing Bob and we want to come out clean as clean as possible so I'll leave it at that Um, for everybody out there thank you Um, feel free to reach out to us because as we get closer to the end I know there's lots of questions Um, but remember it's not the critic who counts it's not the person who points out how the strong person stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better credit belongs to the person who is actually in the arena. And that's why we do it for you folks out there in the arena. So for over the almost 400 commissioners and thousands of staff members of county government in Florida, we appreciate you and we love working for you. So until the end of week six, we'll see you soon. Everybody be well.